0: Today, on Bread for the Broken, with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Bread for the
1: broken. Who is allowed in our church doors? Anybody. Anybody. Everybody. Whoever is brave enough to walk through those doors can come in here and hang out at church. They have every right to. And as a church body, we welcome them in. We demonstrate the love of Christ to them. I don't care who they are. I don't care who they are. This isn't exclusive in the one sense of, we have greeters at the door. They're not bouncers, okay? Greeters, not bouncers.
0: In today's message, Pastor James will remind you that everyone is allowed in the church and in the family of God. No one is supposed to be excluded based on societal status, economic status, or anything else. Jesus came and died for the sins of all people, Not just the people who fit the stereotypical idea of what a Christian is or should look like. Everyone needs Jesus. The Church of God is meant to be full of people from all walks of life. Through other brothers and sisters in Christ, we can learn a lot. Now here's Pastor James in the Book of Acts, Chapter 11, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken.
1: Acts chapter 11, context-wise, Peter was just at the house of Cornelius, who's a Gentile, and through a vision presented to Peter, through a vision presented to Cornelius, these two, Peter goes into this Gentile's house, and he uh, is he's sharing the gospel with these guys, and the Holy Spirit falls on these guys. Um, the door is blown wide open for the gospel. And the church is now, it, you know, it's not just Jews only. Now it's Jews and Gentiles, how God has always intended it to be, all right? There's, this isn't like, you know, just out of, you know, left field, so to speak. God has always intended it to be like this. This just happens to be the moment when it happened. So we went through that last week with Acts chapter 10 and, and how that all happened and, you know, just the beautiful inclusion that, that, that took place there and give you the heads up last week of read chapter 11, because you're going you're gonna to see that Peter immediately goes back to Jerusalem, and he's confronted with issues from religious people, basically, who are part of the church, but they're still kind of holding on to those um, traditions. Not God-ordained traditions, but more rabbinical kind of additions to what maybe God had intended, but they took it, and they added on to it, and it just... Skewed everything, but look in verse one. It says this is verse one of chapter eleven. Soon the news reached the apostles and the other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. I'm reading out a New Living Translation today, so in case you're like, this isn't this doesn't even sound the same. It's it's okay. It's New Living Translation. It's going to be okay. Um, So word gets back to Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God, verse 2. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, some of the Jewish believers uh, of the the circumcision, as what yours may say there, criticized him. Have you ever been criticized for doing what God told you to do? Um, If you've been in church for any certain amount of time, you can raise your hand and say, yeah, that's happened to me. Because it happens to every one of us. Why? Well, um, oftentimes, people don't like change. And so when you step in, to tradition and you change things, more than likely, the first response you're going to get is criticism. You can't do it that way. You can't do it that way. Why not? Well, because I don't like it. Well, I don't care what you like. Um, In one sense, what is God telling us to do? He's the the big factor in the whole story. And let's never forget this as a church, especially a new church growing and all that stuff. I've already mentioned this before, and I'll remind all of us again. The church belongs to the Lord, and he has the right to do whatever he wants to do with the church. It's his. It's his. So sometimes he may call us to do something a little bit different, and we got to be okay with that. It may be scary. We may not always understand it. These guys, these guys are brought up their entire lives with this notion of like, you can't even step foot into inside a Gentile's house. Because if you do, you become unclean. You can't even walk on the same sidewalk with these guys, you can't, just in case they may brush against you. This still happens today. Still happens today. But these guys are brought up this way. And that's hard to break. So I, I will give these guys a little bit of credit, because th- these are hard things to overcome. We understand that. We've seen that in our own country. We've seen that within our own country. In recent history, we had segregation going on, which is totally unfortunate. But you had individuals who were brought up thinking this one way, and it's hard to break that mindset, especially when you're raised a certain way. But that doesn't give you the excuse to remain in that rut, so to speak. Here, here are these these believers, is what they're, they're labeled for us, and they're, they're having issues with this because they're like, no, 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 you can't go into a Gentile's house. You can't do that. You can't break bread with these guys. You can't do that. And Peter's like, well, God told me to. So there you go. I know it's not kosher, but I think God makes all the rules, and we should probably obey him. We should probably follow him. Now, this is a, an, was an issue for them in the, in the early onsets of the church. It continued to be an issue. We'll see in a few chapters that, not today, don't, I, I know how I just phrased that, and I don't want to scare you. We're not going to see in a few chapters today because we won't, we won't get that far, but this comes up again. This comes up again. We, we still deal with issues like this within the church today, although it's no longer, so to speak, Jew and Gentile. Who is allowed in our church doors? Anybody. Anybody. Everybody. Whoever is brave enough to walk through those doors can come in here and hang out at church. They have every right to. And as a church body, we welcome them in. We demonstrate the love of Christ to them. I don't care who they are. I don't care who they are. This isn't exclusive in the one sense of we have greeters at the door. They're not bouncers, okay? (laughs) Greeters, not bouncers, I'm like, oh, where, no, where do you stand on this issue? Or what's your political affiliation? That's nonsense. Nonsense. Those doors are open to anybody and everybody. That's how it is. That's how it is. We still wrestle with all that stuff. And, it, and again, I understand it. sometimes it's hard because we got to break free of ways that we've been brought up and, and all that stuff. Not to say that the way you were brought up is wrong or anything like that. But if the way that you're brought up is in conflict with what God has called you to do, then there is an issue, and it's not on his side. It's on your side. And you need to pray to him to help you break free of that. So they're like, immediately as Paul walks walks through the door, they're like, hey, we have an issue with you, Peter. They're, They're criticizing him. An amazing thing has just happened. An amazing thing has just happened, and he is immediately met with criticism. If you are involved in ministry, brace yourself for criticism, because that's how it is. That's how it's always going to be. And you're going to get it from the, the, like, the ones that you would never expect it to come from. Wait, we're on the same team, right? Like, we're in this together, right? Yeah. But oftentimes, criticism comes from those who are closest to us, and that's sad. That's hard. That's hard. Remember, the instruction for the church and your role within the church is edification, building up the body, building up the body, be an encourager. We're going to see. We're going to move on past this point into the last two-thirds of this chapter, basically, and we're going to look at the ultimate encourager, and his name was Barnabas. We, w- we don't want to be like this first group. We want to be like the second guy mentioned, okay? So they're criticizing Boom! Immediately, how dare you? How dare you, Peter? Is basically what they're saying. You enter the home of Gentiles. This is to continue on there, verse three, and even ate with them. You can you can sense the disgust in that statement. How dare you? And Peter's like, what? Number one, the person you don't want to criticize out of the apostles is Peter. Okay, because. I can promise you, if you've, if you've done any character study on this guy, he's going to give it right back to you, okay? Because you just imagine, Peter's probably, he's this fisherman. Maybe he's burly. Maybe he's this bearded, burly kind of guy. And it's like, the last guy you want to pick a fight with is that guy. He's like, oh, really? Oh, really? I think there's this rebelliousness that's kind of a part of his DNA. The same kind of is, is with me. If you were to come to me and say like, hey, you can't do that. Unfortunately, within my nature, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, watch me. Okay, well, just watch me, because that's what I'm going to go do right now. Thank you for giving me that idea. Um, And that got me in so much trouble, um, especially before Jesus. And it's kind of got me in some trouble uh, after having known Jesus, okay? Um, I kind of feel like Peter would be somewhat of the same way. Oh, really? Yeah, watch me. Watch me. We're having a potluck here, and it's all Gentiles. And they're like, ah, no, no. But look what Peter, his defense. This is a grown, mature in the Lord, um, Peter, that we're witnessing here. Verse 4, Peter told him exactly what happened. And here's the story again. And it, just so you know, um, you know, Luke isn't writing this out on like his laptop, okay? He doesn't have an infinite amount of space to write this on. These are scrolls that are only this long, and they only have this much room. So why in the world would he repeat almost verbatim the same thing? Because it's important, okay? So Peter told him, one day in Joppa, that's on the sea there, he said, while I was praying, I went into a trance and saw a vision. Something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners from the sky, and it came down right, right to me. When I looked inside the sheet, I saw all sorts of small animals, wild animals, reptiles, and birds that we are not allowed to eat. They're unclean. And I heard a voice say get up Peter kill and eat them or rise Peter kill and eat. Verse 8 Never Lord I replied which that is a contradictory statement you can't ever say that. You can never say that. You can't say never or no Lord. You can't say that. Because if you say no Lord then he's not your Lord. Because technically the Lord what the Lord says to do you have to obey. 100% if he is your Lord. You can't say no. It's a contradictory statement. What's funny is Peter's like, I'm just going to spill my guts. He's like, I'm going to just show you guys how messed up I am. All right? I don't always get it right. Never, Lord. Not so, Lord. I replied, I've never eaten anything forbidden by our Jewish laws. But the voice came from heaven again. If God says something is acceptable or if something is clean, don't say it is unclean or don't say that it's not. It's not you don't get to make that decision. You don't get to make that call. And listen, I'm taking the pressure off for every single one of us. That responsibility is not on you. Let God determine what is clean and what is unclean. Just obey him as Lord. You don't get to make the call. You're like, but I want to make the call. I know we like making that call, but it's not ours to make. Peter's like, I can't eat this. I've never eaten these animals. I'm a good Jewish boy. We don't eat this stuff. And God's like, well, get up and do it. No, 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 three times. And again, three with Peter. That's his, that's his number. He's like, no, no, no. He just has an issue with this number. But verse 10, he says, this happened three times before the sheet and all it contained was pulled back up into heaven. What's fascinating about that, oh, so number one, he's, he's owning it. He's like, he told me to do it three times, and I told him, I told Jesus no three times. What if he would have said yes? Do you think he could have snagged one of those animals off that sheet and eaten it? Probably. He was hungry. Maybe he missed one of the best meals he could have ever experienced because he told God no. There's a lesson in that, application in that. Maybe God tells you to do something, and you're like, no, I don't want to. Or no, I don't do that. I'm not qualified for that. Or I don't feel like that's my calling. Or I would never do that. Maybe you miss out on the blessing because you say no. Right? I've missed out on tons of blessings. I'm sure of it. But I love that Peter's honest. He lets him know this happened three times. He says, verse 11, just then, three men who had been sent from Caesarea arrived at the house where I was staying. The Holy Spirit told me to go, go with them and not to worry about they're being Gentiles. These six brothers here accompanied with me. He's back in Jerusalem. He's got his six witnesses with him. He says, these six brothers here accompany me. And we soon arrived in the home of the man who had sent for us. He told us how an angel had appeared to him in his, in his home and had told him, send messengers to Joppa to find Simon Peter. He will tell you how you, or how you and all of your household will be saved. This is... Uh, Cornelius was a religious man, a God-fearing man. It doesn't mean that he was saved. He was God-fearing. He prayed, he fasted, he gave, but he had no relationship with Jesus. And God had seen his good works, and God had heard his prayers. And so God, it, through a vision, sends an angel to him to say, hey, there's a guy, Simon Peter, about 33 miles away from here. Go get him. He's going to preach the gospel to you, and your whole, you and your whole family are going to get saved. And that's what happened. Isn't that great? Religious people, God-fearing people, can get saved. Isn't that a miracle? That's amazing. You're like, well, wait, aren't no, not all God-fearing people are saved. Not all church-going people are saved. They're not. They're just not. What makes what's the distinction? Jesus. A relationship with Jesus. That's it. That's 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 your access. It's Him. Verse 15. Well, this is Peter. Well, I begin telling them the good news or the gospel, but just as I was getting started, the Holy Spirit interrupted me, right? I love that. It's beautiful. It's like the Holy Spirit fell on them. And just as he fell on us at the beginning, meaning Acts chapter two, when he did for all the Jews, he says, then I thought of the Lord's word when he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And since God saved these Gentiles or gave these Gentiles the same gift as he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to argue? He's like, I can't argue with God. So he presents his case. He's got six eyewitnesses with him. He's really smart in taking those guys with him. He's like, listen, this is what is happening. I was preaching the gospel to him, and as soon as I mentioned Jesus as the savior of their sins, they received that in their hearts. He had no way of knowing this. He didn't do what the altar call. He didn't do that. They received the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit fell on these guys. And he says, just like us in Acts chapter 2, the same thing happened to these guys. So if that's what God wants to do, then let God do what he wants to do. I'm not going to argue with that. So you have an issue with that? Anybody got an issue with that? No? Okay, cool. Let's move on, right? Like we got things to do. We got things to do. We can't get caught up in these distractions. This is this is. Silly. He's like, I can't, I'm not going to argue with God. Smart. Very smart Peter. You can tell that this guy is growing, right? The Peter of maybe like a year ago, maybe two years ago, when he was walking around with Jesus, might have been one to argue with Jesus, because that's kind of what he did, right? Every so often. Not so, Lord. Jesus tells him, hey, I got to go die. I got to go die on the cross. And Peter's like, oh, I don't think so. No, 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 no. Not so, Lord. No, that's, that can't happen to you. And Jesus is like, hey, uh, Satan, get behind me, right? And he's like, wait, Jesus just called me Satan? Kind of, yeah. You're standing in the way. Don't stand in the way. Move out of his way. Let him do what he wants to do and just follow behind him, okay? Verse 18, when the others heard this, all their objections were answered and they began praising God. Well, there you go. That's how you address the critics. How do you address the critics? You just remind them of what God has said. Why are you doing it that way? I don't know. It kind of makes sense because when I read the word, it says we should do this. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hopefully that's the response. It's not always like that. But just remind them like, hey, this is, this is what the Lord is doing. This is what the Lord has shown us. And all he's doing is reminding all of these guys of all the familiar verses that, they're, that they've known their entire lives. Go back into Genesis chapter twelve, where God said, "Hey Abraham, through you and your descendants, you will be a blessing to all of the nations." Now the light bulb is kind of coming on for these guys, but now they're they're praising God, and they said, "God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of turning from sin and receiving eternal life." And amen to that. That's that's a cool thing. They're they're, they're turned they turned into the right direction, and now it's like. Yes, sweet, God is doing this new work. Let's join in with him. Let's not stand against this thing. We've experienced that within our own affiliation where Calvary Chapel, we noticed that. We've we known that if you're familiar at all with Chuck Smith, Chuck and Kay, and the work that they did out there in Southern California back in the 60s, starting in the 60s anyways, with the hippie culture, right? They were willing to go against the grain to open up their doors to all these all these guys who just seem like, and ever, you know, the, the cry of the day in that sense was like, cut your hair and go get a job. What are you doing, right? And if you were one of those, I, I'm sorry. Um, I'm not saying that now, but, um, but Chuck was like, ah, you guys can come in. Come in and hang out. They don't wear shoes. Who cares? They're messing up the pews. Who cares? They're tearing up the carpet. Who cares? Heaven and hell. This is what we're talking about here. All this stuff, who cares? When Jesus comes back, it's all going to burn up anyways. So don't get too attached to the material things, because none of it matters. Chuck had the presence of mind and the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit to know, like, nobody wants these guys, so let's go after these guys. And look what happened. Jesus movement, that was a part of it, not just with Calvary Chapel, but if you do your church history, you know that. That was happening all over the nation. That was God's perfect timing. And more people have gotten saved in that Jesus movement in during that time period than like almost all of Christianity. That was a big deal. But you don't get it unless you got people who are willing to, to praise God and to know how to like, I'm just going to move out of his way, let him do what he wants to do, and I'll just properly follow behind him and let him lead. Smartest thing we can ever do. So here's what's going on. In the meantime, this is where we want to be. Don't be the critic. Be the encourager, okay? Verse 19. Meanwhile, in another part of the world, so to speak, this may even be happening technically, chronologically, before this story of Cornelius took place. Don't really know 100% for sure, but there's an idea, a thought that this, what we're about to read, is actually happened before Cornelius' house got turned upside down in the best way possible. Verse 19: Meanwhile, the believers who had fled from Jerusalem during the persecution after Stephen's death, you remember that, they stoned this guy to, to death, and Saul was there consenting to his death. It says, during because of that persecution, the believers scattered from Jerusalem. And it says that they traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the good news, but only to the Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles, or yours may say the Hellenists, and that would be the Greek-speaking Jews. Technically, more than likely, these guys are preaching the gospel to Gentiles. Gentiles. There's, there's views on both sides of that coin. Well, was it just Jews who happened to, was it the Hellenists or was it actually just Gentiles? Um, there's a lot of evidence in the favor of it being Gentiles. We already know that the Hellenists, they had had the word, the gospel preached to them back in Acts. That's when we got our, all our deacons. Remember and. All the guys were set up and who were going to serve the tables of the widows and all that stuff. Well, the the Hellenists were all included in that. And in fact, most of those deacons were all Greek-speaking Jews. Okay, So if we remember, if we track back um, to that story, we've already covered that many verses or many chapters ago, but that was already going on. But now you're pressing into Antioch. And just so you understand this, Antioch is a major city in the New Testament, major, especially in the book of Acts, third largest city at this point in time in the Roman Empire, okay? Huge, major, influential city. Now the gospel is has reached Antioch, and Antioch will be really the location where church planting basically begins. It's, it's from Antioch that that, that all kind of takes place. But You don't have that unless you have the Jews first gathering in Jerusalem and then the persecution forcing them out of Jerusalem to go to where? To the uttermost ends of the world.
0: How incredible to learn about the Holy Spirit and the faithfulness of the apostles within the early church. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're so glad that you joined us in this study through the book of Acts. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more from Pastor James, feel free to visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the teachings tab. We'd also love to hear from you. So would you let us know how you've been blessed by Bread for the Broken? You can drop us a note through the contact page on our website. While you're visiting breadforthebroken.com, you'll also be able to learn more about the church behind this ministry, Calvary Chapel Galveston. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you visit. So for directions, service times, and to learn more about us, just visit breadforthebroken.com. We hope to see you soon. Until then, we encourage you to read ahead and to begin to study the book of Acts on your own. Although it may seem unrelatable because it took place thousands of years ago, that couldn't be further from the truth. God is still living and active today, and His Spirit is present and seeking those who believe. And if you let him, God can do incredibly powerful things through you for the kingdom. So the question we'll leave you with today is, will you say yes to what God is doing? And will you trust in him to move today just as he did all of those years ago? There's still so much to learn from the book of Acts, but that's all the time we have for today. Join us again next time, right here on Bread for the Broken.